The following is a CSPN Media podcast presentation. The views expressed by the hosts and guests of the Comic Book Chronicles are the opinions of said hosts and guests. They do not reflect the opinions of the Comic Book Chronicles, the Click Nation, or the Coast Leather Podcast Network in any part. Thank you. Spoilers. Hello and welcome to another exciting episode of the Comic Book Chronicles. Uh, Skype, you really messed me up. Uh, I am your host, Roddy Cat. You can find me at Roddy Cat on Twitter. You can find me at News News Need on Twitter. You can find me at CB Caps on Instagram. And sound effects you've heard come from none other than our man in Brooklyn one agent underscore seventy on Twitter and Instagram. What's up, everybody? We're back. I am co-hosting from the Borough of Kings. Spread love, it's the Brooklyn way. Representing BK to the fullest. <laughs> nice. Um. Oh yeah, I save that for later. Um. You could also find this here podcast on the Coastal Podcast Network, that's ESPN.us. Do it today. Gia, you could also find this uh, on your podcast brutal place of choice, whether it be Google Play, Apple iTunes, aka Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or the Coastal Podcast Network's SoundCloud page. Make sure to click like, subscribe, and leave us all the positive five-star reviews, especially on Apple Podcasts. And you can find us recording every Thursday, mostly every Thursday night, 9.30-ish Eastern Standard Time on uh, the YouTube channel of The Click Nation. That's YouTube.com slash The Click Nation. And Twitch.tv slash Comic Book Chronicles, like some of these fine folks, like one of Benji's Games 2, who's out there. Shout out to you, good sir. Shout out to you. Make sure to click like, subscribe, and hit the notification button so that you know when we are broadcasting live and when we are in effect and recording. Gia, um, in the words of uh, MC8. Folks, we're going to uh, hit the ground running here tonight because we forgot uh, a, a little bit to get through news-wise. And uh, Starfield came out tonight for some people, so some of us want to get into that. Um, <laughs> those like, what came out tonight? Starfield. Video game, don't worry about it. Um, <laughs> anyway... <laughs> Yes, says the sports ball person calling other people nerds. <laughs> Gaffar, I say. I've seen your tweets, uh, man. Uh, <laughs> it's so funny. Anywho, but yeah, we're going to start off with a, a uh, quick spoiler-free recap of uh, this past of this week's uh, Star Wars Ahsoka, whose name, outside of being part three, oh, I think it's called uh, uh, Time to Fly, uh, if I remember correctly. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, which I don't know how I remember that, but that's pretty good. So, yeah, uh, and the name is fairly literal in a sense, because uh, we get some nice, uh, we, we get some 
a, a dash of Star Wars trademark um, space fighting in, in this at some point. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, you know it, it, uh, uh, just prior to that, though, mm-hmm. we kind of reenact some uh, key scenes from A New Hope between master and you know now newly rediscovered apprentice so mm-hmm. that that was kind of cool uh training despite montage, the right? fact say that again i said not, not not quite a training montage but the training nonetheless right exactly training nonetheless you know uh my disappointment in uh the uh person uh voicing hu yang aside um we you know as as Roddy Cat mentioned one of the highlights of this episode was um, uh, space fighting, you know, some starfighter fighting. That was a lot of fun. Um, I think, you know, again, without really spoiling anything, I will say that uh, a little bit of metatextual thought and commentary crept into my brain as I watched a particular sequence. And all I could think of was, that's a new toy opportunity. Yeah. But other than that, it was a lot of fun. Yep, 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 yep. And apparently... Or despite uh, that, it was a lot of fun. <laughs> well, I was, yeah, sure. Tomato, tomato on that one. Um, and yeah, apparently uh, Agent 70 reminded... Well, not reminded me, but uh, told me of, of course, the internet being the internet in, in regards to... Um, the accuracy, the, the, the live-action accuracy of someone's uh, anatomy... <laughs> a character's anatomy, so I was like, huh. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll give you a hint. Shout out to Mary Elizabeth Winstead. Yes, in, indeed, indeed. So I was like, huh, that's the internet's going to internet. Um, yes, Benji, uh, uh, the Turtles game did get a, um, uh, an update today, and um, uh, yeah, I need to go back to it. I don't know if it's a free update, though, but yeah, we might get into that a little later on. I need to probably play it on stream sometime. Anyway, um... But yeah, back to Ahsoka. Um, it was a I, for the most part, enjoyed this uh, this um, this episode for the space battle postures, you know, like I said, and some of the uh, dialogue that was doing the end of training scene, of course. Uh, Hu Yang's gonna Hu Yang, despite you know, uh, <laughs> despite um, Age of Seventies interpretation about the the voicing of the character. Uh, misgivings, okay. Sure, so. sure, we'll give you that. Um, <laughs> which I mean, it's fair. It's I'm, I'm not saying it's I'm not slighting it, but it's it's, it's a fair it's a fair critique. Yes. <laughs> In this day and age, you know, it's a, it's a fair uh, critique. Um, but uh, yeah, but that being said, let's see. Um, the only other revelation we got. Oh, actually, there's something that doesn't have anything to do with the uh, episode itself that I wanted to bring up that I totally forgot about uh, that got brought up after last week's episodes. Um, there is the theory on who this other Inquisitor like character uh, that Ahsoka went up against last, uh, the, or the, in the second episode, might be. And I'm like, right. yeah, I'm kind of on board with that, but I'm also feeling like I said so on Twitter. I'm like, yeah, I I feel that that's probably going to be the case, but also, Filoni could be um, um, throwing a curveball here. Right, but right, right. I don't think that's that. a I don't think that's a bad guess. Right. I, I I I think I know what you're getting at, and because we did not discuss this particular theory right. in the uh, pre-show production meeting, but 
I can say that I have heard rumblings about this on the internet and via podcasts, and I think that's actually a pretty fair guess. And with the show only having what six episodes, that would definitely shortcut, shortcut, cut. Um, let's just say a a part of the quest um, that uh, our our duo is running into. So we shall see. But also, if it is indeed six six episodes, which I believe it is, not a whole lot more room to get where they're trying to go to. But I know that it's also leading up to Dave Filoni's movie, so we might not get to one part here. Right, we're still dealing with set- yeah. There's certainly amount an amount of setup mm-hmm. that we get. So, so yeah. So uh, basically, the main quest the, the main quest. Uh, or at least part of the main quest might not actually. Here. I, I was about to say, are you sure we're getting six episodes? I thought we we're getting eight. Um, no, I'm not sure. That's why I was like, I'm questioning. Oh, okay. Uh, I just googled. It's a. I, I just found an article that says eight. Okay. So so, well, then that's a little better. At least we got two more episodes than, than I was uh, than I was thinking because I wasn't sure because like this could have gone either right. way. I was about to say, according to your count, we would actually be halfway through. Right. After next episode, we would be halfway through. Right. Okay. So that makes me feel a little bit better about things, but we still, I still stand behind what I say about uh, us may possibly not getting to. Yeah, uh, the, I think that's the, still a fair. I, yeah, I think that's a fair assessment. Yeah. Um. So that being said, though, it's like so there's not really much else. To, I kind of expected, honestly, um, another side character to kind of come into play. But I guess I should should shouldn't be surprised that that uh, that that wasn't the case. Maybe they'll come in at some point if they come well, in at we all do. during the course. Hmm? Yeah, what I was going to say is we do get the answer to one question of uh, as to the whereabouts of one character that uh, debuts at the very end of Rebels, and yes. we do get an update on that character. So I know that answered a lot of questions that were in the air after the opening two episodes right and uh, yeah I, I admit that i um i can't remember who even talked about it then but i admit to having that question myself and then it was like okay well they answered that this one so good on them for yep. that good yep. on them for that um overall like i said this is a solid enough episode um like i said the the, the uh the space battle and the uh the training is pretty much the bulk of it and the revelation as to a thing they found out about um um, in the midst of the 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 former of that, you know, is probably going to come into play in the next uh, next uh, episode or to, and or two. So we shall see. Uh, unless you got something else, we can move on. No, I'm good. We can move on to my adventures with Superman. Yes. Uh, I need. A, I very much need a way to get some timestamps into this thing. Um properly so yeah um not much to say yeah, about well, this one i was i would just i would just add that i actually have uh my my maxi app open and this is zero day part two mm-hmm. that is the ep- that is the title of episode nine of my adventures with superman and we did have a chance to speak about this in our pre-production meeting and we well at least my perspective was that this second half of this two-part episode fell a little flat for me, but I think it's because I'm still uncomfortable with some of the changes to some of the radical changes to 
um, you know, established histories, not necessarily canon, but established histories of certain characters and how this series chooses to uh, interweave the origins of certain characters together. And it's it's a little weird, um, but I'll let Roddy Cap pick it up from there. You know, that's kind you know, like I was left wanting a little bit in this episode, but I still enjoyed watching. I thought it was decent, but it wasn't it wasn't as good as the first half of this two part episode. Right, because the first part was like, okay, uh, we're going to get some some revelations, uh, and and hopefully, as as two parters go, we're going to get some revelations coming out of this, and we didn't necessarily get that. Um, Agent Seventy reminded me that uh, this season is uh, this the season finale is coming up uh, next uh, ish episode, so maybe something's going to happen then. Um, I mean, he's not going to have everything figured out because they've been pretty much taking of us like, well, he's still figuring things out and he doesn't to the point where he doesn't even know, you know, where he's from or, or anything like that. But he's in a certain place at this point about that, at least for the for the time being. Um, right. And the other characters adjacent to him are kind of finding out things that they probably wish they didn't. Um Right. That may or may not be a, a thing in, in relation to, right. but yeah, oh, oh, soups was kind of feeling, kind of feeling kind of a way uh, during the course of this. What did you think of the not just the intertwining of the characters because we we talked about this, but mm-hmm. also uh, kind of introducing uh, the concept that. Clark wasn't the only visitor. Yeah, so that part I'm curious about. In fact, I have a a, a slight. Well, I don't know if it, there are any um, or what kind of theories are going on about this, but one in particular has to do, or at least for my own benefit, has to do with uh, something that showed up at the end of the episode. But I'm kind of wondering if there's part of a swerve here because there seems to because Clark's under the impression of one thing and we were under the impression or could have been under the impression of, of um, something going on with the tech that's been showing up. And while that may or may not be the case, it feels like partially they're going another route with, uh, with some of it. And I'm kind of wondering if they're not adding a whole nother thing to that, um, that let's say came up a few couple of different times during Justice League and uh, the, the Adventures of Superman uh, or the, Adventure, the the animated series back in the day. Um, and I'm kind of wondering if uh, if the tech is not what we where we thought from, but ends up being from another place. Um, mm. That the Super Superman has had some dealings with, uh, one way or another. Actually, I can think of two right. places that it could come from, but one in particular in my mind has to do with um, a very big bad in the DC universe, let's just say. Right, 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 right. It's it's an interesting, you know, it's an interesting twist. Mm. And, you know, it, we're just not used to it. So I think as longtime fans, even if we're not like the biggest fans of DC or even of Superman, we are versed. Maybe not well versed, but we're decently versed in the Superman story and mythos. Right. 
So seeing things altered and kind of twisted in certain ways, you know, kind of piques our interest, or at least my interest. No, no, I agree. It, it absolutely does. Because it could go any... At this point, we're speculating, we'd, and it could go a couple of different uh, ways, especially with how they right. set this up. Like, so everybody's just trying right. to figure stuff out, and, you know, and certain things that we know is the case is probably not going to be presented in the in a, the same way that we know it is because it's already kind of going a field of that. Right. So, but yeah, it's, which makes it, you know, which makes it interesting uh, for that respect. So yeah, I'm looking to see, and hopefully that's, um, that's going to pan out fairly decently coming out of the season. Uh-oh. Yeah, yeah, we'll see. You will see. You know, the the <clears throat> the season finale is, is in a few days. So, mm-hmm. you know, actually, wait. We, you know, from the date of this recording. Well, wait. The new episodes come out is it tomorrow. I want to say yes, but I'm not sure because it was weird. I've from what I've seen, they say it comes out on Thursdays, but it doesn't. And I think so. It's either coming out Friday or Saturday. So if that's the case, it's either coming out tomorrow or Saturday morning by the by, uh, by the time you see this or hear this. Right, Which, right. Soon enough, so yes. it'll be out by the time you you see you hear this on podcast in podcast form. So right. So yeah, we'll see. We'll, we'll let, definitely let y'all know how we feel about it. <laughs> uh, that Most being def- said, we can push on into the books of the week. Meanwhile, at the Hall of Justice. And we're going far f- away from the uh, Hall of Justice into the world of Marvel. And uh, specifically, as I pull up the cover, Miss Marvel, New Mutant number one, is where we're going. It's actually Miss Marvel V, New oh, Mutant number one out of I four. Apologize. And I feel like adding that V changes the tenor of the title. Sure. You know? Sure. So, Ms. Marvel, the new mutant number one. This is the first issue of a four-issue series. It's written by Iman Volani with co-writer Sabir Pirzada. Now, if Iman Volani sounds familiar to you, that is, yes, the star of the Ms. Marvel Disney Plus show, the co-star of the upcoming Marvel's movie, who portrays the character of Ms. Marvel in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Art on this comic is provided by Carlos Gomez and Adam Gorham. Colors are by Eric Arseniega, and letters, it's our favorite lettering Paisan, the hardest working letterer at VC, VC's Joe Caramagna. So, I think without, I'm going to let Roddy Cat uh, uh, jump in with his thoughts on this, without saying too much on this, from my perspective, I will say that Calling this title the new mutant number one, I think, you know, carries a lot of significance because of the current state of mutant, mutant dumb in the Marvel universe Mm -hmm. and, you know, kind of reintroducing this character into, uh, the concept of, uh, Marvel's mutants. Uh, that's actually an active part of the story this very first issue and you know, all that uh, is interesting to take in as a law, as a longtime member, uh, a longtime fan of uh, the X-Men and also a fan of Miss Marvel from jump and seeing how her story 
is adapting to the story of Marvel's mutants is it, you know, is being adapted to the story of Marvel's mutants, how she's adapting to it, how they're adapting her into it is I think part of my, that, that, that's definitely something that piques my curiosity and that's not even going into, you know, what happens in the story and I'll hand it off to Roddy cat to pick it up from there. Right. So, um, I guess one of the things, and we kind of sort of talked about this on during the pre-show, but the kind of one of the things that you kind of want to understand in a situation like this is, or not even that, you kind of wonder in this situation like this is that because there's a a, a co-writer situation and one of them has not uh, ever written a, a comic book prior to this, but we know to be a big fan of the comics from 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 from, from accounts. You kind of wonder what things in the book come from them, and one comes what comes from their co-writer. Um, and in this case, we at least know some of that answer thanks to um, thanks to uh, interviews, or at least spe- specifically in a recent interview, which is going to be in the I think it should be in the show notes uh, in the clickbait section. Um, uh, but that being said. You know, you, you kind of you kind of have to wonder. And I was like, okay, okay, well, who's who gives this idea? What's that idea? And that we can say. But basically, what we can say is that uh, Iman Vellani um, um, has pretty much shouted out Biggie because it was all a dream. Yeah. Um, at least part of uh, this issue was uh, may or may have not. May or may have come from and have been somewhat of a dream, which was a, a pretty interesting part of uh, 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 of the thing. And I feel like it's kind of one of those things that was like, okay, well, here's the idea I had, and then the the co writer kind of helped to shape it into what it is, um, to some pretty decent effect. Because not only does it serve as the the beginning of the this um, this issue and book. But it also gives people a chance to catch up. It's like, yeah, you may or may not know Miss Marvel like that, or may want to refresh your memory about some things or, and some affiliations that she may have had. And that was that's what ends up happening at the beginning of this book before it gets into the thing, before it gets into the fact that she ends up doing the thing that pretty much got her killed in the first place, <laughs> or doing a similar thing that pretty much got her killed in the first place, which I was like. Sure, what, but we knew this already. But it was like, okay, sure, she's this is what's happening. But also, as Age of Seventy says, like you know, reestablishing her place back in the world, um, uh, in a right, world and that putting her into, right, putting her into the framework of the X Men, right, and you know, back into a world that fears and, and hates uh, mutants. Right. I re- what I actually really liked about it is that I think it came from a fan's perspective mm-hmm. because. Mm-hmm. And I think Roddy Cat talks. Uh, I haven't looked at the article, but uh, I heard a podcast where uh, Sabir Perzada and Iman Vellani were on this week in Marvel podcast, and Iman Vellani was talking about how she, you know, got um, the idea, got updated on Miss Marvel's current status in the comic books from uh, Sana Amanat, and it was like relatively late in the game of her agreeing to do a book or writing the comic. And next thing you know, the, uh, 
the status quo has been flipped on its head into its current status quo. And she, you know, it almost felt like we could hear her working through that in this first issue. Mm-hmm. You know, thinking through how her character is vastly different from what she essentially grew up reading and was a fan of prior to, you know, being cast in the role. Right. And what all she she has known about the character up until recent events. Exactly. So, so, I'll, um, so broad strokes here. Um, like I said, um, Kamala's pretty much, uh, if you've been keeping up with the X corner and you, and you've seen the Hellfire Gala, Gala and the fallout from that, you already know that part. So, and partially you may or may not know what uh, Kamala's part is going to be in this opening uh, part of this in that, well, she's, you know, she's obviously on the side of mutants and she's going to help out the way she can. And that way is infiltrating uh, again, the, the thing right before she got killed was pretty much what she was doing to spy on, uh, well, in this case, actual bad guys, uh, Orcas who has, um, started up a, a summer program at ESU of all places, which kind of messed me up for a second because I think ESU and I think Spider-Man is amazing friends. <laughs> and I was like, wait, this should be happening. <laughs> like, like, like Firestar. I get it. Iceman and Firestar should be running around here with, with Spidey. You know, as a matter of fact, somebody, there was a call out to Spidey in, in this, uh, in this thing, or at least somebody asked at some point. Right, because well, what's interesting is obviously you know she is now going to be part of the X corner of the Marvel universe, mm-hmm. but she is kind of a crossover in that she also has such a strong tie to the Spidey corner of the Marvel universe right now. As of recently, yes, mm-hmm. yeah, as of recently. Well, I mean, technically, prior to that, also because I guess because of Miles, but yes, definitely right. because of recently, right. So. Uh, and that's pretty much sets things in motion, and and uh, we get uh, without going too much farther into that. You know, we got her thinking about some things, and there's a uh, there was a like I said, the the big reference was not just a a, a piffy thing, but it was also a reference to something she's kind of been dealing with, which she really should have told some people. But nevertheless, we're not going to talk about that. Um, and of course, she got her 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 main friend Bruno and this and that and the other. Um, the one thing I just want to and there's some. some Wasn't she getting advice from Emma Frost of all people? She was prior to this. Actually, matter of fact, because she, she, she mentions the advice that uh, Emma gave her during the course of this, which she, right. And I'm like, yeah, I don't know if Emma's the best person for this one. She's not, but she, but luckily, Columbus, but she's Columbus, a, she's Columbus. one of the only ones that are available. Yeah, right. Um, but like I said, Kamala's Kamala, so she kind of went her own way with this. Nah, I'm going to By the way, uh, Spider-Man Across the, uh, the uh, Spider-Verse comes out next week on, on, on um, physical. So. Oh, nice. That means my Blu-ray will be on its way. Yes, sir. Um, uh, but anyway, um, I had to bring it up because, like, yeah, I've been seeing things on that. I was like, and I had to go check and see if, if my Blu-ray was going to come in. I was like, okay, yep, it is. So yeah, so we got some callbacks to her early adventures, which I kind of enjoyed. I was like, okay, I I, I assumed that kind of came up from, from you know their meeting, which I would have loved to have seen, like the meeting between uh, Amon Vellani and the and um, uh, uh, Sabir Prasada, just just kind of talk to what they what they were what they were, you know what either, what they had to do because obviously you know I I don't know if he was following her lead or there was like well I'm gonna give, you know. 
here's, here's my thought about this or whatever the case may be. We don't know how all that in, uh, came about, but you know, we know what we what little we do know. Um, what was I going to say? Oh, and one other side thing, and I'm, I'll send it back to uh, Agent 70, that, that I don't know if he caught or not. Um, and this was just a throwaway thing, but I come to, come to find out that this is a real thing, so, sort of, and I don't know if that was intentional or not. There was um, an interaction with someone on campus who was trying to get Kamala to uh, join a, a certain club, which she is uniquely qualified and would normally be happy to to uh to join into and the name of the club uh seemed familiar to me for some strange reason and sure enough there's an app uh called the comics plus app that uh there's going to be a link underneath um in 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 my notes for miss marvel that you might want to check out because apparently it's kind of like um libby or um, one of those library adjacent apps where you can rent um, comic books, basically, from the library. Oh, really? I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. I was like, why do I know that name? And I looked it up, and that's what it. Unless that was just a total coincidence. Um, it's like I was like I knew that was for me for some reason. But yeah, there's there's an app. I don't know if it's like readily available there, but I think it's out there in in certain ways. But you can go check out the site for whatever whatever reason. Right. So. Um, if one, if there's one thing that has not changed is that uh, Kamala is always eating, yes. uh, at least in the comics. We don't, we haven't really seen that aspect of the character in the TV show, or the, or we may not see that aspect of the character in the movies. But she is always looking for food to refuel after using her powers. Right, and apparently, before spoiler alert, right? Spoiler alert: There's still some. Uh, development when it comes to her mutant power yes which i say in my notes i wonder if that's going to pop up at the most inopportune time of course so because as as of right now it's like just it's kind of we don't know what it is and neither does she and it hasn't really you know popped up yet but probably more than likely by the end of this uh definitely by the end of this excuse me uh miniseries is going to pop up it's just a matter of when but that being said, um, yeah, it was a pretty good opening opening episode. I wasn't surprised to see who was behind what's going on here because I was like, okay, sure, put put her against a, another Southeast Asian. <laughs> I was like, but but this also makes sense given that well, this person is with Orcus, so sure, yeah, exactly. Um. But yeah, like I said, check it out if you have a chance. We're going to push on to other stuff. But uh, I, like I said, I'm really curious to know, to, to find out, uh, you know, where, uh, what ideas came from who in, in this, in this, uh, co, uh, in this uh, co-writing deal. And which is always a thing when, when books you're interested in is, uh, comes up, you know, like I, Age of 70 mentioned uh, Berserker before the show, which was, um, um, uh, Keanu Reeves and I can't remember who's co-writing that with him, but you know. Matt Kent. Thank you. Okay, of course, get Matt Kent on the on the case for it. Right. So, 
And that being the case, we're going to move on to another book, which we didn't actually talk about uh, what we're going to do next with this. We only got a couple of books in between us. It was kind of a light week uh, this week because it was Labor Day weekend, and shout out to everybody going to uh, Dragon Con this weekend. Starting right. Today. Shout out to at Boss Jones. Oh, okay. He's I'm going to be living vicariously. Uh, I'll be living vicariously through my friend's stories from Dragon Con. Yeah, and uh, me through Twitter and, and a couple of people that I know who's going to be there and possibly doing panels. So cool. Uh, da, da, da. I can't call them friends, but I can call them Twitter Twitter folk, I should say. Um, so which one you want to go to, Blade or Ultimate Invasion? I'll leave that up to you. Uh, we'll do Blade number two. Right. You know, we only have the other, you know, the, these two books left in common, so it's True. all good. Oh, I forgot to put up, put up, I'll do that later though, but put up some of the, um, uh, variant covers for Miss, for Miss Marvel's book. But oh, right I, now, I, I love it. My, my, my buddy at Boss Jones on, uh, Twitter and Instagram is dressed up as Gojo Sensei from, uh, Jujutsu Kaisen. <laughs> because of course, time Today. and relevant. How's the fit? Oh no, it's good. I I just I, I was like I, when I say living vicariously through his stories, I mean his Instagram stories. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I see him with a bunch of friends at DragonCon, all Hang on. presumably in mostly costume. Was that the Was that the Batman? Say again. Was that the Batman? Oh you Oh you mean um uh, uh one uh a uh, uh, one chain Bruce Wayne? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes, that's my friend One Chain Bruce Wayne. Gotcha, gotcha. That was okay. So he's on point. That's all I can say about that. I haven't, <laughs> I haven't even seen it yet, but I'm sure I'm sure it's on point. <laughs> but that being the case, uh, Blade uh, Number Two. If you mind giving us the uh, cre- uh, the uh, writing credits, sure, sure. The cre- the creative credits on yes. Blade Number Two. This book is written by Brian Hill. With pencils by Elena Casagrande and inks by Elena Casagrande and Roberto Poggi. Colors are by Jordi Belair. And oh, how did I leave out who the letterer is? Uh How could Uh I do that? Because it's somebody from VC, because it is a Marvel book. (laughs) It's somebody from VC, but who could it be? Who could it be? Who could it be? As I scroll to take a look at my preview copy, and I will let you know that it is, in fact, Joe Sabino. There you go. Take it away. So yeah, um, Brian Hill continues his cinematic journey through through uh, through uh, through Blade, and I say that because, and, and this, that is not a slight because we we have known him. If you follow his inst- uh, his not even this comparably Instagram, but follow his Twitter, he is very much uh, a fan of the of the movies. Um, he being very specific in that, but in this case, uh, he's taken the Daywalker down. Not not necessarily. Because I don't recall anything like this uh, happening in the Blade movies. Uh, it's a, a couple of things that happens here, but you could safely say that it could. <laughs> uh, but um, so I don't. I can't remember if we talked. We kind of sort of talked about it last uh, last time it was come up. So Blade pretty much let loose uh, an evil things, but now um, uh, he's needing some help in trying to dispatch uh, said evil thing that is that has been accidentally let loose. So he goes to an ex uh, an old an ex of his 
uh, and um, what he also met this other person, which I'll, which I'll talk to and talk about in a second. But goes to uh, holla at a, an ex friend of his, and then they have a moment, and um, and of course some action happens during the course. A couple of different points of action happen in the course of this, which again cinematic stylings of of uh, Brian Hill um, showing itself here. And then goes into a, another part where um, another factor in Blade's current uh, situation uh, kind of comes into play in, in the guise of uh, a young girl named uh, Ratha, who's uh, pretty capable in, in what she does uh, for for the reason she does them. Uh, but also, Blade gets into some issue. It uh, gets, gets into a, a little spot of trouble. I, I called it a side quest on a side quest, let's just say, because that's kind of what, what this issue is. It, it starts off as a side quest, but then ends up going into another side quest at the end of that, which was kind of funny, and I figure Agent 70 would appreciate the reference. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's You know what? It, this issue is a little hard for me to keep up with, and I appreciate Roddy Cat kind of framing it the way he did in the sense that there's some very cinematic overtones, some 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 not tropes, but definitely some storytelling devices that are uh, that we see kind of in use uh, in this issue, even more so than the first issue, mm-hmm. you know, because we definitely picked up on some of the cinematic overtones in that first issue. And it's interesting that we would get so many in the second issue. And now we have, you know, the. uh you know, the interesting, you know, entry of additional like kind of demonic magic stuff towards the end of this issue. And we'll see how that plays out uh, as we move forward. But um, I think the one comment that I had to Roddy Cat when we were discussing this in the pre-production meeting was that uh, I may need to go back and revisit the movies, the Blade movies, at least one and two. Yes. Just to see if I'm missing out on you know, some reference or cause I'm not that familiar with the blade, uh, you know, Canon and history. So maybe I'm missing something here, but, uh, you know, I don't know how, how deeply, uh, how deeply, uh, Brian Hill is digging when it comes to, uh, telling the story and, you know, into blades history. Hmm. So I don't know if that will even be helpful. I yeah, as I told Agent Seventy, I don't think. I mean, look, those are good movies, but um, um, I don't think it's that um, it's that one to one in that sense. So yeah, I don't think in, there's there's not going to be much in those that's going to infer uh, much going on here, because there is a character we're we're both kind of wondering about, which I suspect is probably just some deep cut from blade lore that um neither one of us are privy to because neither one of us knows that much about blades lore all that you know all that heavily right um and in fact i meant to look it up prior to this but it's, it's irrelevant now and i don't recall a character such as this being in the movies or in or let me freeze those first two movies because i still haven't seen blade trinity so and i feel doubtful that that the character is going to show up there also but nevertheless who's to say um and trying to find that character's name is pretty much an ACO nightmare. So we're going to um not a nightmare, but it's just not good. Uh so we're just going to go and say, I thought it was a good read. Um like I said, it's kinda keeping in a cinematic type tone, which uh you know which is cool. 
um, but where this is going to end up uh, at the end of this journey, which I can't remember. Wait, is this an ongoing or is this? I don't know why I didn't look that up. Is this an ongoing or is this a? Um, I think it's an ongoing. Uh, I'm going to try to check real quick. Um, yeah, because I'm not. I'm, I'm not entirely sure. I think it is. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm not, again, not doubting you, but I want to, you know, whatever, I'll find out while we're doing other things, because I don't want to waste too much time uh, trying to find out while we're, while we're in the business of this. Uh, but yeah, good stuff. Next up, we are going to go into, let's see, uh, Ultimate yeah, Invasion. Yeah, yeah exactly. Uh, we have that one book in common still. Yeah, and then we'll get into Rapid Fire. So Ultimate Invasion number, what is this, three, uh, is this three? It's three of four. Thank you. Right? So mm-hmm. this actually uh, plays into how we're going to discuss this book. So Ultimate Invasion number three of four is written by Jonathan Hickman with pencils by Brian Hitch, inks by Andrew Curry, colors by Alex Sinclair, and letters by our favorite lettering Python, the very hardworking VCs Joe Caramagna. The reason why I mentioned that this is number three or four specifically is because we're not all that close to any sort of resolution here in the third issue of this four issue limited series. And that's when I have to remind myself that this mini series is likely serving as the setup for something ongoing or definitely something bigger. So, what Roddy Cat and I were speculating just prior to the show in our pre-production meeting is that Ultimate Invasion is going to serve as the launch point for either a new Ultimate, a new iteration of the Ultimate Universe, or something that establishes the Maker as more of a more of a more of a, a prime big bad, as it were, for the regular Marvel universe while still, you know, tapping into some of the ultimate concepts. Yes. Um, there may be some news as I told you in some of the, uh, uh, parts of the show, maybe some news that may bear some of what he's saying out in that respect, but we don't know. Cause it's, even that's still kind of vague. Right. Or from at least from what I remember reading of it. So, but we'll see when we get to that point. Um, yeah, it was, a, yeah, I don't, I'm very curious as to what's going to happen after this, uh, or with this, because as you just said, it was like, it seems to be setting up something, uh, uh, that they're trying to bring back. I am not necessarily, um, uh, on board with that. Because I, I, as I've told him, I feel like this feels like a House of M situation. If you know, if you are savvy enough to know what that is, which means it's like, hey, it's a parallel universe that happened but got snuffed out at the end of it. But even though it has been uh, called back to in during like Secret Wars and stuff like that, you know, every now and then it has it has come back into play in some reasonable way, but not as a full fledged universe that you know or, or that end up having ongoing stories in. Um, <clears throat> but we shall see what what will happen with that uh, going forward. Because I'm not uh, I'm I'm not sure that's going to be the case. Uh, but if they do, there will be more questions to ask in that situation. Because as as we know, 
you know, there are people, uh, one specific person specifically, uh, that came out of the Ultimate Universe originally and is now in, these, in the, the Prime Universe uh, and is fairly prominent in, <laughs> at, at this point. And right. So what will they do with that character if they do indeed do that? Which probably I can safely say not much. Um, and whether there will be any crossover because the the original intent of the Ultimate Universe was like, oh, no, this is just a side thing. There will be no crossover. And then the crossover ended up happening <laughs> at the end of things. Um, but also we got the MCU out of the Ultimate Universe in case folks did not know this. So, you know. I can see a reason for them to bring the universe back properly for such reasons. Right. For right. similar reasons. Uh, but yeah, that's that. That's not much to say about that. I kind of skimmed through it. Like, I, I got the gist of what's going on here because, and I just kind of skimmed through as the Agent 70 was talking. I was like, huh, sure, that makes sense that, that this character shows up in a situation like this. <laughs> To what extent? We'll find out. Right. Uh, but that's it, it folks. Uh, we're going to go into the rapid fires. All right. Time to spin it up. Here we go. Rapid fire comic book reviews. I ain't got time to bleed. I only have two more books to go through. Uh, Godzilla Rivals versus Space Godzilla number one. This is a one shot at IDW. It's written and, dr- and with art provided by Matt Frank, with colors by bon- Gonzalo Lopez, and letters by Nathan Wittick. So, this is a one shot and it features Space Godzilla, but not making a stop on earth but rather uh, an earth-like planet but inhabited by bug-like creatures and they are basically telling their version of an invasion by space godzilla and being powered by crystals and uh i i didn't really understand what was going on but it was still nice to look at you know ultimately it you know the, the space godzilla uh, destroy, you know, uh, kind of uh, makes his way through their planetary defenses. But um, there may have been like some lizard-like people who, uh, you know, who, who may be telling the story. I, I, I really couldn't tell you, but it was just nice to look at. Um, next up is, and last up for me, is Incredible Hulk number three. It's written by Philip Kennedy Johnson. With art by Nick Klein, colors by Matthew Wilson, and letters by VCs Corey Petit. This is the third issue of Philip Kennedy Johnson's volume on the Hulk. And if you've been tuning in and if you've been keeping up with this story or this development in the character's history, this is much more of a continuation or at least a tangential uh direction that is take that is coming from the al ewing immortal hulk run and this builds upon that while taking into account some of the things that that happened in the uh the run inter in the uh intervening run uh by uh kate's uh and friends but bottom line this is very much a horror based um a horror-esque 
not based, the horror-esque story. And you can see the groundwork that Johnson is laying in terms of expanding upon what Ewing established in his run on Immortal Hulk. So I'm willing to give it more time. It wasn't necessarily like the best read, but I, I see what Johnson is trying to build and I'm willing to give him the time to build it. And that's it for me. You think you see, you see the vision. Yeah, I think so. Hmm. So I, I liked his, um, his, um, his beta Ray bill, uh, limited series. That was cool. So it was, it was kind of enough to make me curious about this, but I haven't jumped on it yet. Right. Um, so with that in mind, we'll go over to my books, uh, starting off with the hunger and the desk number two from, um, from, from IDW. I said, Emmett told uh, agent 70 image earlier and I was wrong. Uh, but from IDW, the creative team is writer G. Willow Wilson, who we uh, who we adore around these parts. Um, art by Chris Wild Goose, colors by Masik, uh, letters uh, Simon Boland, and color artist Diana Souza. So, if you if you're not aware, this is uh, G. Willow Wilson's. Uh, fantasy uh, she's probably had other fantasy books but this is a, a a fantasy book of hers uh in the most in the almost i don't want to say the D sense but it's it's kind of skirting that line there is a an alliance between um orcs and humans that comes about because there is another uh faction of folks that are seeking to take them both out uh and in this particular issue um the um there's an orc healer that is uh embedded with a, a human uh fighting company called last man standing and i can i feel relatively confident that we will probably see that name play out the the way it sounds but i don't know that for certain uh, but things have already started along those lines as uh the orc uh, priest uh, the orc healer named tara uh, meets the human uh, Callum's uh, fighting uh, company and meets pretty much meets most, if not everybody, um, before some things kind of jump off uh, and and happened near the uh, near the end of the issue. So it's been pretty good so far. I've been like it's 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 kind of a it's been hitting the ground running, but also still continues to set up some things, um, uh, and uh, it's doing it in a way that I. I that I'm okay with. And on the other side of this, there is another uh, arranged marriage that seems to, while started out kind of in unfamiliar territories, kind of seems to be, for lack of a better word, blossoming, let's just say. Um, but to what end that's going to uh, uh, go about, I don't know. But like I said, good stuff so far. And now we're going to get into, um, well, we're going to continue in the IDW corner, but definitely some Saturday morning adventures type situations because Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles versus Street Fighter is uh, number three of five is my next book uh, and I'm actually going to not do all the different covers because it's going to take me a minute uh, Paul Wall uh, excuse me Paul Allure is the writer with art by Ariel Bedell colors by Sarah Meyer and letters by Ed Dukeshire so after the events of last uh, um, last issue um chun li and Raphael get kidnapped by by bison 
and uh, Baxter Stockman. But uh, Baxter Stockman's kind of like, why did you even do this? Meanwhile, the rest of the Street Fighters, that being Ken, Ryu, and Guile, and the rest of the Turtles, um, uh, Leonardo, Donatello, uh, and Michelangelo, are looking for them, and they pretty much get a clue. So, while that is happening, Chun-Li, with very little help from Raphael, thanks to his uh, impulsiveness, um, pretty much reads the room and... um, understands the story tropes as the, as the, as it happens, which because <laughs> she even says like, Hey, no, we just wait until they tell their plan and then we can get out of here. And Raphael's Raphael. So yeah, things th- that happens the way you think it does, especially if you've seen the movie version. Well, not necessarily in the same way, even though something like that has happened in total history, uh, in the comics, but nevertheless, yeah. Raphael finds out what psycho power uh, is all about, kind of sort of in the in the in the in this. Let's just say. Uh, next up, we continue on the turtles train. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Saturday Morning Adventures continued number four. Oh, I know I forgot something. I meant to read that. Um, there we go. A uh, story by Eric Burnham, art by Dan Schoening, letters by Ed Dukeshire, and colors by Luis Antonio Delgado. So, last issue, uh, Shredder stole a meteorite from TCRI, I believe is the name of the company. The soldiers are trying to figure out why, but they, but uh, Shredder and Krang are trying to crack into said meteorite to, to, to do whatever they need to do with it, but they can't do it with earthly tools, so they call out to uh, Dimension Z, and that doesn't go, and that goes the way pretty much how Turtles Adventures uh, uh, tend to go to, especially with this version, which being the uh, 80s cartoon version of the Turtles happens. And uh, said item ends up in the swamp, which means if you're watching the video version, you can see where it ends up or who it ends up with. And the Turtles have to team up with um, the Punk Frogs. Um, well, they basically split up and they, they uh, team up with the punk for us to kind of recover said item. Um, and I think this is kind of a two-parter thing because, of the, like I said, the team split up. So part part of each team is with is in one place and, and the other part is in the other. So there's a the city and the, the, the swamp folks. If y'all don't know about the, the punk frogs, they, I think they came in later episodes of the Turtles and kind of have similarly named... Uh, things and they were, I guess, they were first against the turtles and but end up being friends with them at some point. And they're also hook country folk, whatever. Uh, I keep thinking battle toads, but no one wants to think about battle toads, so I'm just gonna lend it there by saying next up, uh, the last turtles uh, book for this week. Um, and starting, uh, uh, another side of this, um, IDW thing trip going on. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Saturday Morning Adventures Endless Summer. And Endless Summer being uh, the next couple of books that I'm going to talk about because they're all one shots in the Saturday Morning Adventures lineup. Uh, Let's see. The Turtles one that I'm talking about right now is being written by uh, Dave Baker with art by Tango. uh, Inks by Alice LeClerc. Colors by Xenon Hunt. Char and letters by Jody Troutman. So, 
it's a summer summer themed uh one shot as, as the next one will be so michelangelo's feeling kind of burnt out from fighting bad guys all the time and the other tur- turtles try to cheer him up by taking him to a, an amusement park but of course shenanigans happen there because you just can't get away from fighting the bad guys but it ends up working so hey go figure uh and yes uh said bad guys are, are pretty much some of the same ones from the last book that i'll talk about uh, that I just talked about. So yeah, and it's in the same era, being the the, the cartoon version of the turtles. So you know what you're in for there, um, including some very interesting <laughs> for fourth wall, not necessarily breaking, but references in both books um, that are being invoked. And the next and last in the this uh, in the summer slash IDW block is. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. Sorry. Where is the book? There we go. Bing. Um, Dungeons and Dragons Saturday Morning Adventures Endless Summer One Shot, uh, written by David Booher, art by Jack Lawrence, colors by Josh Burcham, and letters by Russ Wooten. So this is one that's a potential click of the week for me. Um, and because uh, I wasn't sure if they were even going to come back to this world, but I'm glad they did. So in a similar situation as the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle one uh, that I just talked about, um, the gang's off on an adventure that, it, uh, that uh, has to do with an owl bear, which is, um, which is a creature that's been coming up a good bit lately thanks to Baldur's Gate 3. Um, uh, if you're a video game player, you know what I'm talking about. Uh, but from that adventure, uh, one of the gang, that being the youngest Bobby, it was like, Hey, we have a head of summer vacation. You, you know, we haven't, we talked about it before we got on the ride. Some kind of bummed, whatever. Dungeon master, uh, dungeon master ends up popping up. Of course. It's like, Hey, you know, you can go over here to this thing and take a little break. And they do. But of course, just like with the turtles and just like what, what tends to happen in this world anyway, they cannot stop from being, uh, uh, away from action because a thing happens thanks to Eric uh, that that caused them to go up against uh, not one but two dragons, one of which they are uniquely familiar with in this from this world, and you would be too if you watched the uh, the 80s version of Dungeons and Dragons cartoon, which is the only one that's out there actually that, that I know about. So I don't know why I said it like that, but nevertheless, you know, action ensues. The thing happens, and the one shot is over. But Dungeon Ma- except for the fact that Dungeon Master being a jerk at the end of uh, at the end of this and for a reason I won't get into. Um, but yeah, it's good stuff there. Uh, next up for me and the lastly for myself, we are actually taking a trip over into Marvel with um, which I'm actually want to remind uh, Agent 70 something uh, that he told me about, but I don't know if he wants to talk about it. Nevertheless, um, Moon Knight Annual 2023 Number 1, written by Jed McKay, art by Kreese Lee, who I believe Agent 70 uh, knows. I uh, do. Mm-hmm. I did not know that. So that, uh, that, that gives me a reason to take a look at this. Go on. Mm-hmm. Go on. <laughs> uh, color artist Arif Prianto and letters by VCs Corey Pettit. So this is continuing the uh, Contest of Champions. In fact, this is part four of said um, event, I'm going to just call it. Uh, and in this book, we have um, Moon Knight versus Teguki, which is... Teguki! Uh, thank you. Um, I knew he was going to do that. Uh, 
which is the leader of Tiger Division. You may or may not know, but we have been reading uh, and, and talking about in, in the past, uh, in a, actually a fairly recent past, now that I think about it. Um, but yeah, so it's that. And uh, in a slight unique surprise from the other books that have to do with um, the concepts of champion, uh, Agatha Harkness, who is pretty much the the the, the the catalyst for all of this actually shows up in a way and kind of is like the host slash um, referee slash uh, announcer for this fight, uh, for a particular fight. Uh, and it goes kind of way that I kind of expected, but not necessarily in the way that I thought it was going to. Um, so, but nevertheless, still kind of fun. It, and it's also fun because it was kind of a bunch of different what ifs tend kind of popped off because of, um, because of what goes on in this book. And, um, it's kind of interesting personally for, uh, like I said, for a couple of different reasons, because like I said, love me a contest of champions. Also, you know, a good, what if is, uh, is, is fun any day of the week. Uh, and that folks is it for me. Clicks of the week. Clicks of the week. I believe, uh, well, one, we didn't get it. Actually, I didn't even ask um, uh, our uh, absent um, uh, co-host, but they're they're busy, so they're, uh, and I know at least they're both behind and for various reasons, so I was not expecting to see anything from them anyway, but I believe Agent 70 has his already, which is... Ms. Marvel, the new mutant number one of four. Mm-hmm. And this is when I will just drop a couple of these, like, bloop, uh, variant covers. There's a Lucas Vernet cover. Uh, there is the Art Germ cover, which I kind of like. Ba-bap. And there is... Uh, no, not that one. There is the uh, Elizabeth Torque. One, which is a nice callback to uh, Giant Size X Men, um, and I, we'll, we'll leave it at that. But there's a couple more that I had. It was pretty good. Um, for myself, I think there was some fun stuff. I thought for because like as light of a week as it was, uh, as you can see, I you know, read a good bit. Um, I think I'm actually am. It's kind of a toss-up between Blade, uh, Dungeons and & Dragons, and probably um, uh, the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles uh, in the summer. But I think I'm going to go... Well, in Moon Knight, I guess. And I'm going to go with the Dungeons & Dragons Saturday Morning Adventures uh, in the summer one-shot, which we see right here. Right here. Psst. <laughs> There we go. There was a couple of other uh, endless summer one shots that came out this week. There was one for Sonic the Hedgehog, and there was another one for My Little Pony. But neither one of us were going to uh, read that at all. Um, I, the, going back to what I was going to ask, Agent Seventy is: uh, Did you not read uh, Marvel Age One Thousand? I don't know. If I skimmed it. I just yeah. didn't want to go through and like do all the credits because it was just you know very light reading, as it were. Sure. Yeah, that's what I was. I wasn't sure whether you wanted to talk about it as well. You didn't bring it up, so that's cool. That being said, though, 
uh, we can push on to the news section. Let's get an ad read in first, though. Our first ad read of the night is for Wink. You know what Wink is, folks. It's your world of wine delivered right to your door. From Rosé to Cabernet to Toronte, Wink has over 100 styles of wine to discover. Have you ever tried an orange wine? Wink connects you to a world of exclusive wines tailored to your tastes and delivered directly to your door. Wink delivers four bottles of wine to you every month with free shipping. You can pick your own bottles or let Wink choose and match to your taste. It doesn't cost a thing to become a member, and you can skip or cancel any time. And now the listeners of the Comic Book Chronicles can enjoy an exclusive discount of $20 off your first order. To place your first order with $20 off and to help keep our show free for you, go to our network website at cspn.us forward slash wink. That's cspn.us forward slash w-i-n-c. Wink Wines through CSPN. Do it today. And now we get into the news. Close enough. Doggone. Uh, anyway, I'll fix this while I don't talk about this. Uh, cinematic news, as we tend to do. First up, Barry and his parents celebrate uh, baby Nora's birth in the Flash's series finale deleted scene. So, yeah, looks like um, I guess the, the Flash is over. Or the Flash TV. The Flash is over. The Flash is over. Nice. The other Flash definitely been over, but we're not going to talk about that criminal. Uh, this is the uh, the um, the Arrowverse version of the Flash, and the Blu-ray and DVD release for the Flash season nine is actually looks like it's has uh, come out a couple of days ago. And uh, this article is talking about a deleted scene that is on said uh, release. That has uh, Barry talking to um, uh, 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 Joe West, Iris's father, and um, I can't remember the other character's name, uh, Harrison Wells, who I don't know how that character is back, but I guess it must be another version because that, that was a whole thing. But I haven't seen that show in probably four or five seasons, so go figure. Um, but yeah, it's... Um, I don't even think it's linked. The, the, the deleted thing is linked there. It just says that it's a thing on the disc. But yeah, that's that. Next up. All righty. You get the sad news. Yeah, this is tough, folks. This is some sad news that dominated the in- the uh, the internet this week. Uh, you know, if you're a fan of comics, if you're a fan of, you know, comic book related tv shows you saw this hit your social media or internet feed arlene sorkin the voice the actress behind harley quinn not just her voice being lent to the animated character when it debuted when the character debuted on batman the animated series but also the inspiration for the character when uh, she portrayed a particular character on Days of Our Lives, mm-hmm. she was only six. She was only sixty-seven years old. Yeah. Multiple so her sc- death was confirmed. Yes, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, I was about to say multiple sc- uh, multiple sclerosis is what she uh, she died of. 
Yes. So her death was confirmed to USA Today on Sunday by Christopher Silberman, the agent of Sorkin's husband, producer and writer Christopher Lloyd. Not that Christopher Lloyd. The actress, again, died of multiple sclerosis. Uh, Sad, sad news. Much too young. But multiple multiple sclerosis, depending on the type of multiple sclerosis, can get progressively worse as time goes on. Mm -hmm. So if you're uh, watching the video version, you could also see in the same article, uh, James Gunn also, um, uh, James Gunn's Instagram post, uh, you know, um, giving his condolences, also using a, a picture, or I guess a couple of pictures of her. Here we go. Yeah, see, there's Harley right there. Rest in peace. Um, which actually almost had me going back to watch a couple of um, Batman animated series. Although the the one clip I did end up watching had not had very little. Well, two actually. One of them had nothing to do with her character. But um, but similarly had to do with uh, Kevin Conroy mm-hmm. because there was a there was a clip of Harley singing a song about the Joker and I saw that clip because that was floating around on the internet which led me to watching and I think I probably talked about this prior to this I don't know why um, where Batman from Justice League um, uh, was singing uh, uh, you know. Kevin Conroy being the voice was also singing and they both have now passed, which is, you know, a right. sad thing, which was like, damn, I, I did it to myself. So moving right along, uh, CBS will air Star Trek strange new worlds. first two episodes next month as a part of Star Trek day. So per Star Trek.com, the network will air strange new worlds and trilogy of the comet which is the first two episodes of the, uh, as this article says, hit Paramount Plus original series back-to-back on September 8th at 8 p.m., which is the first time in probably a good decade or two (laughs) a Star Trek program has been on the air, one, and two, on uh, CBS. Because, see, kids, back in the day, these shows used to actually show on network television. Hmm. The last one being, the last couple being uh, Deep Space Nine and Voyager, which actually were not on CBS. Well, wait. DS9 was on CBS, and I think it went over to UPN, but Voyager was on UPN, which ended up being CW. It's a whole weird thing, folks. A whole weird thing. Anywho, um, yeah, like I said, as a part of Star Trek Day celebration, that is that. is that. So if you haven't seen it before now and on YouTube, which I believe both one of, if not both of those episodes are actually still might be free on YouTube's at this point. You can watch it on TV with uh, commercials, just like on Paramount Plus, actually, because that's the thing that happens. Next up, alrighty, Paramount invites fans to a special global Star Trek Day celebration on September eighth. Join Paramount Plus, the CBS Television Network, CBS Studios, and fans from around the world. For the annual Star Trek Day Global Celebration on Friday, September 8th, this year's special program is hosted by Lower Decks' Jerry O'Connell on Paramount Plus and features special Star Trek Lower Deck screenings across the U.S., the U.K., and Canada in anticipation of the upcoming fourth season, special airings of Star Trek Strange New Worlds on CBS, and more. Oh, that's cool. Yes. Uh, next up. 
Um, going back to Strange New Worlds, uh, we get a season three update. Um, it says here that uh, Chris Fisher, which is uh, a producing director for the show, was uh, uh, sat in on an interview at TrekMovie.com's uh, podcast. Uh, says that season three had already begun production in Toronto before the WGA SAG after strike halted work on the series as they did, uh, as did most of Hollywood, as this article is saying. So uh, they were saying that, oh, they were in, literally, according to this article, on the eve of production when uh, the strike happened. Uh, this uh, Fisher person was supposed to direct the premiere episode of the new season, had it storyboarded and everything, uh, but wasn't able to obviously, you know, do things. So, bottom line is, um, uh, yes, I guess uh, season three is going to come along some some point after the uh, strike happens. So, next up. Oh, wait, hold on. Oh, never mind. That, that was a what-if question. I thought there was some, some definitive uh, uh, confirmation of the end of the strike, but it was not. Never mind. Next up. Yeah, no, not yet. Not yeah. yet, folks. Not yet. Next up, Star Wars fans have a very, inc- a very convincing theory about who Ahsoka's Inquisitor really is. And it's something that Roddy Cat and I talked about. I will not go into this article, but there is definitely speculation that it is a character familiar to fans of Rebels. But also, um, as this article also postulates, that uh, it could be another character who would be familiar to fans of um, Star Wars The Force Unleashed. It could go one or two different ways, but I don't, I, I don't feel too confident about that one because I feel like the, the show's kind of going, getting to a, a certain place. And the, right. the the more prevailing theory is probably the one that's going to end up, unless Filoni ends up being uh, making a swerve. But yeah. Uh, speaking of live action, Chopper is everything Ahsoka fans wanted. I guess that's true. Uh, this is spoilers for episode two, which was from last week. So there's you know, hey, it is it is what it is. Um, but yeah, people like to see and love seeing Chopper. I admit it, I did too, because we have. It's not like this the first time we've seen Chopper on live action because I believe she showed up in Rogue One or something. I know there was a definitely a, a, a reference to Hera in Rogue One. Uh, I may have shown up in probably during that one big battle scene during uh, um, Rise of the Sith, Rise of Skywalker, but I don't know. There's too much going on there either. But I feel like there was another live action. At, at the very least, a glimpse of Chopper, but this is the first one where it's like, hey, we see him and, and uh, hear him. So there you go. Next up. All right. Ahsoka's Rosario Dawson opens up about working with late co-star Ray Stevenson as Star Wars show pays tribute to the actor, the late actor. So Hollywood and the world at large lost a true talent this year in the form of actor Ray Stevenson, who suddenly died at the age of only 58 in May. Tributes from James Gunn, Scott Adkins, James Purefoy and more flooded the Internet shortly after the news broke. Another person to memorialize Stevenson was Rosario Dawson, who worked with him on Ahsoka, which was basically one of his final productions. 
Dawson opened up about what it was like to work with him on the Star Wars series, which obviously just started streaming for Disney+. Plus. Mm-hmm. If you're watching the video version, you can see the uh, part of the quote. Actually, you can see the whole quote, but part of the quote from her there. Um, wait, let me make sure I didn't skip something here. Did not. Cool. Matthew Lillard. Um, y'all, some of y'all know him as um, Shaggy from the Scooby Doo movies. Shaggy. Uh, exactly. Uh, launches a new Dungeons and Dragons inspired bourbon and comic uh, comedy series. So, as a fan of bourbon, I may or may not try it, as we'll see. But, uh, apparently, Matthew Lillard uh, and screenwriter writer Justin Ware are co-owners of a new liquor company, which seems to be the thing to do uh, with some actors at this point. Um, along with Blue Run Spirits co-founder Tim uh, Sparapani that launches later this year, and they are developing a line of spirits inspired by Dungeons & Dragons. The company is called Fine Familiar Spirits. Uh, the first product is, will be called Quest Inn, which is a new line of bourbon whiskey, uh, and each bottle will have a map on the back, um, and say with each bottle and flavor representing the next part of a continuous story designed by veteran DM and game designer Kate Welch, with illustrations by renowned fantasy artist Tyler Jacobson. And again, like I said, we'll have a map on it, and yada, yada, yada. Um... Oh, wait. Um, I guess there's another line that's going to... Um, uh, um, that you can pre-order online starting October 4th, which ahead of its uh, November launch and is called Paladin, if I'm reading this right. Or that is the, 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 the question... Uh, what he's talking about. So yeah, if you're a fan of bourbon and D and D, hey, there you go. Try it and let me know because I probably won't be able to check this out at some point. But also, um, he's also doing a um, comedy D and D podcast uh, called Faster Purple Worm Kill Kill, and uh, is going to be a going to be a show that spans twenty one hour episodes. That features a revolving cast of first-level characters played by Lillard, Seth Green, Skeet Ultrich, uh, Pat Oswalt, Deborah Ann Wall, Stod, uh, Stashwick, Michael Irby, and others. So, yeah. Uh, doesn't say here when that's going to start. But, yeah, it's going to be another in line of almost Critical Role-esque type uh, situations going on. Uh, next up. All right, Highlander reboot with Henry Cavill gets an exciting update, teasing expansive new franchise. So, director Chad Stahelski gives an update on the highly anticipated Highlander reboot. Uh, reboot, the fantasy franchise, which initially began with Russell Mulcahy's 86 feature film of the same name, follows Connor McLeod, an immortal Scottish swordsman who must battle his last eternal enemies after the first movie. Other offshoots were created, which includes original novels and anime film, live-action television films, blah, 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 blah. Um, in 2016, it was confirmed that Stahelski would direct a Highlander reboot with Henry Cavill joining the project in 2021. So in speaking on a podcast, Stahelski revealed that in creating the reboot, he and his creative team brought together elements of the previous TV shows to create an even more expansive Highlander franchise. He even alluded to the reboot potentially acting as a prequel. Okay. So, you know, as long as there's Queen music involved, you know it's Highlander. 
And there can be only one, um, because somebody was going to say it. So yep. I f- part of me feels like, and I haven't seen this movie yet, So, but I, I strongly feel like that last movie that he did, uh, Sisu, which is pretty much World War I, uh, John Wick. I, I feel like that's going to be closely aligned to what this Highlander thing is going to be. I don't know. But, yeah. And also, I don't know who's actually checking for a Highlander reboot at this point, but hey, you got Cavill, you got Sahelski. Can't be all that bad, I suppose. Right. You know, there's some there, there's some uh, talent behind that. So, right. you know, we'll see. Uh, I mean, and he's coming off The Witcher, so he's already got the whole fantasy thing going on, uh, despite the, the depending on where they set this. Anyway, Going, keeping on with uh, speaking of uh, Mr. Uh, Stahelski, John Wick 5 update confirms Keanu Reeves' stance on the sequel after Chapter 4's uh, Masters update, according to this thing. Same podcast that um, uh, Stahelski was speaking on. He basically said that, um, uh, that he and Keanu has talked. And he says here, it's like, yeah, if you talked to, if, if, you, if he had said, hey, right away, would you do John Wick 5? He'd be like, yeah, fuck yeah. But then he'd look and say, well, what's it about? No idea. That's all. Believe me. But we're going to figure it out today. Look, uh, we're, we're going to be doing our other stuff for a little bit. But I was driving in the car or if I was watching. Basically, he had some ideas and he'd be talking to Kane Yu. And so like, you know, they got ideas for stuff, but don't know whether it's going to happen. But it's probably will happen. <laughs> Next up. We're going to go into the, uh, let's call this anime corner. Sure. All righty. Okay. So Warner Brothers Pictures updated multiple 2023-2024 feature film releases earlier this week in the wake of the ongoing writers and actors strikes, including... The upcoming Sola Entertainment anime film, Lord of the Rings, The War of the Rohirrim, originally scheduled for March 15th, 2024. Godzilla X-Kong, The New Empire, was moved to a release date of April 12th, 2024. This resulted in the anime film, Lord of the Rings, The War of the Rohirrim, originally scheduled for the same date to be moved to December 13th, 2024. Okay. So we'll probably be talking about it then, when, when and or if that happens. Uh, right. Masato Ibu narrated trailer for first to space battleship Yamato anime films of 4K remaster screenings stream. That's a mouthful. So yeah, there was a trailer for uh, a theatrical screening of space uh, battleship Yamato, known as Star Blazers in the West. Uh, and apparently that trailer is now on YouTube. Um, I know there are anime fans who know and or and or love Space uh, Battleship Yamato. I only know of it uh, by name. I don't think I've ever seen it or Star of Blazers all that much. I know it's a thing. But hey, there's a 4K remaster. Somebody's happy about it. Next up. All righty. Uh, ranking Jujutsu Kaisen characters based on the new season two trailer. <laughs> Goodness. So Studio Mappa and Japanese distributor Toho Animation released a new trailer for the second part of Jujutsu Kaisen season two this past Thursday. And yeah, uh, you know, it's it's a big teaser for the upcoming Shinjuku arc storyline. Yeah. Which, or Shibuya incident story arc. Go. I gotcha. There you go. I was wondering, you said that earlier. I was about to say, wait. <laughs> 
Um, does it say the date of when the, uh, yes, tomorrow. Or actually, excuse me. It yeah, says it starts, yeah, it today. starts tomorrow. Today. Well, yeah, I mean, today in Japan. Yeah, I guess that's true. Yeah. So, yeah. So, chances are we'll probably see it tomorrow on Crunchyroll. Yeah. So, sorry about, uh, I, you know, for whatever reason, I inserted another Japanese location into the, uh, the title. It is the Shibuya Incident Arc. Roll call. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and guess, I was about to say, and guess what, folks? We may have at least one Shonen Jump subscriber on the podcast <laughs> sooner rather than later. We will see. We shall see. It might see. be time, folks. It might be time. It's, it's, it's been a looming threat for the past probably, what, six months. So <laughs> exactly, so something was going to happen to it. Uh wow! I see. I'll see another article on this about that uh, arc, but that's funny. Anyway, Dragon Ball wraps uh, Future Trunks's reunion with Future Gohan. This is from Super Dragon Ball Heroes. Uh, I have not seen this yet. They do the um, the commando um, hand grasp <laughs> in this image. Uh, if you are um, if you are watching the video version, you can see said image. Um, you can almost hear him say, Gohan, you son of a, I mean, well, it's going to be Trunks, you son of a, you know, ah. but yeah, that's the thing. Next up. All righty. Hayao Miyazaki's latest feature film, The Boy and the Heron, or literally How Do You Live, has sold over 4.95 million tickets and earned over 7.41 billion yen, which is about $50.6 million as of Monday. Uh, so yeah, this is a pretty good, I, you know, I'm assuming, you know, they're talking about, uh, money here. That's apparently a pretty good haul for uh, a film in Japan, uh, an animated film in Japan. I should, I would take it. <laughs> yeah. The film will have its international premiere at the Toronto film, Fe- international film festival on September 7th. And uh, I know that um, the movie will have an American premiere at some point soon. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes, it says uh, NYFF uh, uh, September 29th through October 15th. If, 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 oh, if there it is. If that's right. Yeah, New York yep. Film Festivals will screen. Yeah, there you go. So there you go. Um, Agent 70 will be in attendance. Probably not. Ah. <laughs> You never Cowboy, know. You never know. Yeah, you know. Depending uh, on what else they got going on there. Cowboy Bebop's Hard to Find Steelbook Edition is being re-released. Uh, it is being priced at fifty three sixty four. It apparently is hard to find, according to what the, what the title says. And it's going to begin to ship out on October third. It, it will come with a digital copy of the show, <laughs> as this article says. Just in case you want to avoid getting any scratches on your disc. Uh, so yeah, twenty uh, fifth anniversary of Cowboy Bebop this 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 year. As tempting as that is, I think I have a copy of the show. Fairly certain of that somewhere around here. So and it's out on. Well, I would say it's out on Crunchyroll or someplace, but we can't always reliably reliably uh, you know uh, uh, depend on that these days because let's face it, we don't know what. <laughs> Things are out there on streaming now, may not be out there later, uh, for, for one reason or another. But this article kind of goes into what you what you get in the steelbook, uh in the in the steelbook release. And apparently it's out there it's probably out there on Amazon for slightly cheaper than this. But hey, 
You do your own thing if you want that. Next up. Pokemon live action drama has been announced. Uh, it looks like Pokemon is moving ahead with a big new project while the company finish up its fir- finishes up its first round of DLC for Pokemon Scarlet and Violet behind the scenes. New reports have Pokemon fans looking to the television. After all, da, 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 uh, TV Tokyo confirmed it has a Pokemon live action drama in the works and it will debut this October. Mm-hmm. According to the new report, the live action drama is considered to be a first of its kind. The show, which will be called Fill Your Pockets with Adventure, is set to debut on October 19th. It's being touted as a Pokemon human drama as the main character is a human who tackles the challenges of adulthood with Pokemon on hand. Love it. I mean, Detective Pikachu exists, but I understand the differences between this and that. Like, they're playing the straight <laughs> as opposed to that thing. Right, 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 right. The new Pokemon series will tell the story of Madoka Agaki, a recent college graduate who quits her job in a port town to move to the bustling city of Tokyo. It's there that she joins an advertising agency focused on adventure. Love it. We're going on an adventure. Original Naruto uh, anime indefinitely debates comeback episodes. It's getting late, folks, and I have not been drinking uh, alcohol, so hey what you hear what you get so it's uh naruto's 20th anniversary the uh there's going to be an anime event uh that was confirmed uh that uh let's see it was announced that uh, september 3rd would mark the start of several new uh naruto episodes uh and this is the original series not um not baruto not shippuden as far as i could tell from this thing so this is going back to the original well um, the episodes have been delayed due to production issues and Studio Perot has not shared when the comeback will be ready to air. So that's kind of a bummer. Uh, due to ongoing improvements to the work quality, which is being produced as a 20th uh, anniversary project, we have made the decision to propose the broadcast of Naruto. Um, that's from the production team. We, we sincerely apologize to the fans who have been looking forward to the release. The new broadcast schedule will be announced as soon as it has been decided on. So we'll let you know when that happens also. Next up. So in news for people who do not subscribe to Crunchyroll, guess what? Demon Slayer, the, uh, the Swordsmith Village arc is coming to Netflix on September 28th. Mm-hmm. So good for you folks. You know, you won't get too much Nezuko-chan, but there'll be plenty of other stuff. Although, if you have three magic letters and and or are overseas, this is probably a real reality that you already um, have been uh, <laughs> have been uh, a privy to. Right. Uh, Bleach Thousand Year Blood War announces second. Uh, excuse me. Announces extended core two or part two. Uh, finale. Uh, let's see. According to a new post by Bleach's team, the anime is gearing up for an extended core finale. Uh, episodes 25 and 26 will be combined in two weeks' time to wrap up core two, which that means no new episodes of Bleach that will go live in the coming weeks. And this is uh, of this week. Uh, speaking of this week, uh, as of this recording. Uh, 
Yeah, that's that's pretty much all we we got home from this. Oh wait, here we go. The anime was uh, in air in a special recap episode to catch up. Uh, it's a clip show, folks. You know, if you've been privy to anime any any <laughs> any amount of time, you know a clip show. And this that sounds like a clip show. So yeah, uh, no date to when the uh, the finale is going to happen, but apparently it's probably going to be soon. Next up. Manga, manga corner. Yeah, so we are transitioning over to the manga corner. So Bleach is getting a new collar manga. The Thousand Year Blood War continues to rage in Bleach's anime ad- adaptation, but the manga made a surprising return by giving us a story taking place years in the future. Time jump. So, uh, yeah, it is for those. So, yeah, it, it this was a special chapter which was printed in the pages of Weekly Shonen Jump back in 2021. And I guess now you have an opportunity to take a look at this special one shot. Mm-hmm. September 4th. Is when that's going to happen. Nice. Uh, Spy X Family or Spy Family anime sneaks to McDonald's Japan for first Happy Meal collab. Um, which I'm more concerned about when we're going to get some new uh, Spy Family. That's what I want to know. But for a limited time, it's probably may or may not be over with at this point. Uh, Spy Family Happy Meals will come with one of five coloring books featuring art of Lloyd, Yor, Anya, and Bond. So there's some pictures here of the coloring books, which I'm sure someone could probably print out uh, and uh, do some coloring with for themselves because it's probably not going to ever come over here to the States like that. Uh, the collaboration begins September 1st at Petition of Made in McDonald's locations in Japan. Next up. Alrighty, I can't really go too much into the story because I would like to read this. And it's one of the reasons why <laughs> I'd like to uh, finally bite the bullet on Shonen Jump. And maybe I'll use the upcoming Labor Day weekend and a, a day off of uh, rest and relaxation to sit down and maybe read a little bit on my iPad. So My Hero Academia Final Act drops a clever Chapter 1 throwback. The final act of My Hero Academia apparently just dropped a clever throwback to Chapter 1 in the ongoing anime because it is building up to a big finale. Uh, ongoing manga, that is. I apologize. Hmm. I misspoke. It's all right. It's late. Uh, Black Butler, Soul Eater, and other manga are facing new book bans in Texas, of course, of all places. Uh, there's a report coming from KHU, KHOU, which is a Houston-based uh, station, news station. The channel's team has been searching, researching book bans as Texas has uh, seen several controversial ones in the past. Uh, during this time, KHOU discovered a discrepancy with the Klein Independent School District involving manga. Uh, according to them, the school district in question has been removing books from its libraries without any trail. The district says it has only taken away one book in the past two years, but of 33,000 books removed from the district since uh, 2020, uh, the, the station has learned something disturbing in that a portion of these, well, according to this article, a portion of these books removed weren't done due to damage concerns as they happen to disappear in tandem with parent complaints or bans in other districts. Uh, so, yeah. Um, 
there's not a full list of what those are, but the, the couple I mentioned are amongst the list, which that's a sad thing. Uh, that's crazy. Anyway, next up. DC's Night Terrors ends with the heroes taking a big loss. So the DC crossover event Night Terrors has come to an end. And the outcome apparently is not so great for the heroes. We have not been reading this, folks. We have not been keeping up. So these are spoilers for Night Terrors, Night's End, number one, which sees the DC heroes managing to wake themselves up from this apparent Night Terror uh, uh, slumber cast over them by new villain, blah, by new villain Insomnia. Really? We couldn't get more creative than Insomnia? I mean, only to find that the nightmares were far from over. I mean, the same universe that has Hush. And Onom- Shush. Yes, and Onomatopoeia. <laughs> <laughs> That's I, funny. I, we, we can't expect too much. Anyway, yeah, neither one, like they just said, we, we're not what. So, so, hey, if somebody was interested, there you go. Uh, that thing's been two months and been probably holding off other books that could be coming along. Uh, uh, but who's to say Catwoman just changed Gotham in a way uh, Batman never has. This is also coming out of night terrors, uh, spoilers, uh, for that. Um, apparently, uh, Selena Kyle has taken a radical approach to crime fighting, uh, in the Batman Catwoman, the Gotham war battle number one, uh, while Bruce was making them with the sleeping beauties. um, Apparently has something to do with uh, Gotham City's petty crooks, because uh, they know such things as halfway crooks. Um, and Selena has been training them in the art of cat burglary and etc. 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 So yeah, that's a thing. Next up. So Dan DiDio, the former DC editor in chief, revealed the T-shirt that he got for killing Blue Beetle. So um, this is the Ted Cord Blue Beetle. And he is one of ca- hundreds of thousands of superheroes to have died at one point in their crime-fighting career. So, um, Dan DiDio posted on Facebook, uh, no, Instagram, Instagram. Yeah. that he was gifted a shirt following the, su- the success of Countdown to Infinite Crisis number one. It was the culmination of a year's worth of planning and a big moment for all who worked on the book. More importantly, it was the event that launched a thousand stories, fun and crazy times. The t-shirt reads, I killed Blue Beetle and all I got was this lousy shirt. <laughs> yeah. If you're watching the video version, you can see said shirt. <laughs> to which I'm like, is Ted Cord actually back in any? Well, I guess he was to a point for because of the new Blue Beetle. But, uh, but I don't know how that even goes. Anyway, next up, uh, Jonathan Hickman. Actually, hold on a second. I'm going to take one, two, three. Because they're kind of related. Hey, that uh, works for me. Jonathan Hickman and Valerio Schiedis share secrets behind their new Marvel mythology in God's, uh, for, in G-O-D-S, excuse me, which I keep wanting to, to say it in the Jizza voice, but hey. Uh, was, so, yeah. Maybe because if, it, you know, because if it's in uh, if the G-O-D-B-M-E, then the King I-B. There is also that. Yes. Uh, so, yeah, comic shops from the world were invited to a special video conference where uh, writer Jonathan Hickman and artist Valerio Schiedi, 
uh, and C.B. Sabolsky, Marvel Comics' editor-in-chief, if you did not know, and Marvel Comics VP executive producer, uh, producer editor Tom Brevoort revealed startling details, according to this Marvel article, by the way, about G.O.D.S., the mysterious new Marvel series launching on October 4th, uh, which has been teased in a whole bunch of books in the past few months, which brings me to the next article in that if you are interested in reading said bonus stories from the said books uh from the past couple of well excuse me that is not even it's actually been probably a month i, I that's a lot because i think they started around the hellfire gallery which was on gallery so um like, like i said uh marvel gods eventually arrives in october uh starting with the hellfire gala uh we got introduced to some of the, the gods uh, and going through various books in, up until this point. And now you can read all of those bonus stories um, uh, on this Marvel article. Um, and that's going to be in the show notes, uh, starting from the Hellfire Gallery one. So, yeah, you can check that out. And it, which ran through, like, looks like 10 books, only probably about six of them we read. Uh, and the last one that is related to this, Jonathan Hickman reveals that he's working on another book for Marvel, which, uh, Agent 70 and I was kind of talking about before the show. Uh, and I guess kind of hinted at, uh, during which, so we know he's working on this GODS thing. We already talked about Marvel, uh, Ultimate Invasion. Uh, but, uh, he was speaking with Pop first where he dropped the stealth missile, according to this article that he's been working on a new Marvel book. Uh, with the quote, I'm working on another book for Marvel right now that I swore I would never work on. Uh, Hickman said, the sole reason why I'm doing it is that there was a way into it that I had never considered before. I found it, and now I'm having the time of my life working on it. How long will that last? I don't know, and I'll definitely quit when I stop feeling that, which has been pretty much his MO with any of his Marvel projects. So, um... We still don't know what that is. Uh, and this article goes into speculation as to what it might be. We kind of hinted around to one of our own uh, when we were talking about books earlier, but it doesn't sound like that might be the case because of this. So. Or maybe it is. Who's to say? But next up. Next, a Marvel is turning Wolverine into a Dark Phoenix. So uh, apparently it is going to happen uh, in Jean Grey number two. So this is a preview of Jean Grey number two. Mm-hmm. You know, we talked about Jean Grey number one, this being not a what if, but maybe a paths not taken type mm-hmm. of storyline. And, uh, you know, in the wake of the events of the Hellfire Gala. So okay. Jean Grey number two you know, decide, you know, uh, kind of explore some of the things that might have happened. And one of them involves having a dark Phoenix Wolverine. Yeah. But also kind of a what if in its own right. In in that respect. Right. Not, not, not necessarily, not necessarily a strict what if story, but I, you know, obviously it is, you know, uh, that general concept as well. Mm hmm. Which we've seen a couple times lately. Spider-Gwen faces the music in new Spider-Gwen Smash series. Uh, this December, uh, Melissa Flores and Enid Balam uh, is going to have a new limited series with uh, one Spider-Gwen, a.k.a. Ghost Spider, for those of her who call her that. I'm 
keep continue to call it Spider Gwen. Um, uh, says the the Mary Janes are off on a four city tour as the opening act to one of uh, F65's biggest rock bands. Gwen has been promised. Gwen has Gwen has promised the band that this will be the big break. That this big break will be all about the music, no web flinging, just drums. Because I forgot that they actually know that she's Spider Gwen. Um, but when a mysterious assassin targets the headliner, Gwen begins to wonder how she got this gig in the first place. So, yeah. Uh, does it say how many issues this thing is going to be? I do not see. Oh, four. It's going to be a four issue limited series. So, uh, it's going to go on sale, um, December 14th. So look out for that. Cause we will probably likely be reading it next up. So next up, so we talked about this in our review of uh, Ms. Marvel number one, The New Mutant. Um, Marvel's Iman Volani revealed the idea for her Ms. Marvel comic came to her in a dream. So, you know, there's an opening sequence that involves a dream sequence. And the inspiration, as she she and co-writer Sabir Pirzada told Marvel.com, probably in that article, in that interview I was talking about, Mm-hmm. on the uh, This Week in Marvel podcast that she was apparently listening to, now get this, an <laughs> album that predates her, an mm-hmm. album I remember coming out, Billy Joel's River of Dreams. Right. She was listening to this and she was like, there's too many dreams, we have to do dreams now. And I'm like, was she listening to In the Middle of the Night? And tonight. <laughs> exactly. So as soon as I said, both Roddy Cat and I, both uh, people of a certain vintage, mm-hmm. knew exactly what that tune was and can't believe that Iman Volani was listening to that. But you know what? More I mean, power hey, to her. Yeah. I mean, the, the, some of the youngsters are, 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 you know, are branching out. So, you know, maybe she's, she's got to also maybe, you know. Yeah. Her, her parents were, well, but her parents were raised right. Probably did, but you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> any number of things. So good on her for regardless. But as I uh, said earlier, it was all a dream. <laughs> so bring that back. Uh, but now I've got in the middle of the night in my head. Yeah, I know you. You did that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's all my fault. What are you gonna do? <laughs> but, it, but but she's the one that mentioned it. I'm like, what what songs do I know off of River of Dreams? Right. Boom. Right there. I say I don't know the album, but I know that song. So yeah. exactly, but I remember that coming out around that time. I I'm not a hundred percent sure that's on that, but I think it is. Right. Meanwhile, uh, Blade's Crow creator Marv Wolfman, you might know that name, returns to Marvel Comics horror in What If Dark Tomb of Dracula number one this November. Um, I feel like that's pretty much all I need to say, honestly. But I'm just going to put a quote here that says. Uh, from Nick Lowe that says, uh, getting Mara back on Tomb of Dracula is a bucket list checkoff. Um, he hasn't lost a step and the opportunity to pair him with David Cutler and Scott Hanna to make a story that both is a love letter and one of the scariest and creepiest new vampire stories I've read made it all the better. So, yeah, cool. Nice. There's a cover right there if you're interested of uh, watching the, the, the video version. And again, um, November 8th is when that goes on sale. Next up. Yeah, and you know, now I'm just looking up the lyrics because I think the song is called River of Dreams. Mm. You know, I think that's the ep- the, the eponymous... Uh, the title track. 
title. Right, that's the title track. Mm-hmm. So now I am hopping on the Genius website just to double check <laughs> because now, yeah, it is. It is, it is, it is. It is called The River of Dreams. Nice. We were both misnaming the title track. Gotta love it. Anyway, well, well done, so Q-Q's. there it is. Next time, Vision is the last Avenger standing in Jed McKay and CFV's new Avengers arc. So this is, I guess, a preview of the uh, upcoming Avengers number seven. Yeah, uh, yes, because yeah, that's going to be a thing, and and eight when I guess that's also going to happen. But uh, yes. Sensational She-Hulk variant cover homages uh, iconic issue. So we know She-Hulk is going to get a new, uh, another relaunch this uh, uh, later this year. This is Marvel Comics unveiled the first look at Adi Granov's uh, variant cover for Sensational She-Hulk number one, which pays homage to his original cover for Dan Slott and Juan ba- uh, Babillo's She-Hulk number one, which uh, first published in 2004. If you're watching the video version, you can see uh, said cover or said homage to said cover uh, right there. Good looking as it ever was. Next up. All right. So uh, we have with us a first look preview exclusive to comicbook.com for Marvel's Immortal Thor number two. I was a fan of Immortal Thor number one, so I am definitely look for, definitely looking forward to Immortal Thor number two. And that's a pretty cool Alex Ross cover that is in this article. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, you know what? This is a preview. I'm, I'm sold already. But if you need further convincing of whether or not you want to pick this up, one, you need to go back and read number one. And two, take a look at these preview images. Yeah, I ended up uh, reading uh, Immortal Thor number one and enjoyed it as well. In fact, I, there is a, a, a post... Wait, uh, yeah, I think there is a... No, I don't think I put that up yet. I was about to say there was a post on CB Caps uh, from that issue that, that may or may not be there as when you uh, uh, when this episode comes out. But hey, go check out CB Caps anyway. Next up, though, uh, Marvel Studios and DK announced the Marvel Cinematic Universe uh, an official timeline coming October 2023. So, yeah, um... And I think it's only up until a certain time, obviously, because the, the MCU is still kind of going. But yeah, the, um, DK, which is a division of Penguin Random House, um, is putting out this book. It's being um, created in collaboration with Marvel Studios, which, of course, is Kevin Feige, yada, yada, yada. And it kind of goes through the timeline through words and pictures. Uh, so if you are interested in that and you can check that out uh, this coming October. Next up. All right, you get a first look via Marvel.com at The Avengers Assembled, the origin story of Earth's Mightiest Heroes, which will be released. Wow, it has already been released on August 29th, so it is mm-hmm. out there. So this is a book. Um, I'm looking for the publisher and the price. I believe it is also DK as the publisher. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah, I'm looking for the price also, but this is an interview with the uh, author, mm-hmm. with the you know the, the the person who put together this particular uh, origin story of the Avengers. Uh, according to Penguin Random House's site, thirty bucks hardcover. There it is. 
but obviously you're gonna you'll probably get that cheaper uh, otherwise. Yeah, so I was looking through covers and I saw this listed in the book section and I was like, wait, I don't remember hearing anything about this. And as folks may or may not know, I'm a big Avengers fan, so I might check this out. Um, I forgot to actually look at the because uh, I know Amazon usually has like pages, preview pages of stuff like this. So I have to check that out. Next up, though, new Black Panther Hot Toys figure honors Chadwick Boseman's original suit. By the way, uh, uh, it is the recent uh, uh, anniversary of Chadwick Boseman's passing in this past week. So timely, although this article was uh, from a, a week prior. So, um, but yeah, uh, it says a one eight six one six scale um, uh, of this figure. It's Sideshow's Black Panther Legacy Collection. Uh, duh, 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 duh. You can see. I'm looking for the images right there. Uh, there you go. You can see um, going through the images and the accoutrement that come with it. And there's the one unmasked. Uh, and then various other poses. Uh, and this being a side sword joint is probably going to be expensive. If I can find the price. I cannot. So while Agent 70 looks up the uh, goes to the next article, I will see if I can find the price on this. Sure enough. All right, so The Old Republic gets a brief synopsis as Disney organizes its Star Wars eras. So Disney has updated the Star Wars website to include a neat list of eras and where every film and TV show fits and provides a brief synopsis of what The Old Republic will entail. As spotted by another website, the update to StarWars.com gives us a breakdown of the different time periods in the galaxy far, far away, including the time of The Old Republic. The Republic is founded among the worlds of the Galactic Core, it reads, and the Jedi Order emerges to protect it. A schism within the Jedi leads to the creation of the Sith in this epic era. Oh no, not a schism. Anything but a schism. It's always a schism. Yeah. Um, I think this this also mentions that Knights of the Old Republic, the the classic game from Bioware, is also kind of, sort of, maybe... Um, been hinted at being kind of canonish, even though it's been taken out of canon uh, thanks to Disney. But yeah, well, um, so things of things. Uh, going back to the Black Panther thing, uh, looks like December twenty twenty three. I uh, forgot to mention that is going to be when this is going to come out, and the price is two hundred and eighty five dollars according to Sideshow's site. Nice. Mm-hmm. As always, indeed. Um, some other sad news. Remembering Dan Green, who was uh, an inker for Marvel for many years. This is coming out for Marvel site. Um, and goes through his career where he inked for Jim Stalin on Captain Marvel. He's done some work with uh, John Byrne, Iron Fist, Sal, and finishes, finish, does finishes for uh, Sal Buscema on Defenders back in the 70s. All of that's back in the 70s, uh, by the way. Uh, Doctor Strange in 74 and other ways you can see uh, Doctor Strange uh, inking that he's done um, and like I said this article kind of goes through his history he has a long history yes. and there is a paragraph I'm going to point you to because this is how I know Dan Green it's the one that starts with perhaps 
perhaps Green's most lasting contribution to Marvel Comics was his work with the X-Men, starting in 1984 as the inker and finisher for John Romero Jr. on Uncanny X-Men. Uh, Green contributed consistently to the title until 1990, inking and finishing Mark Silvestri. He also memorably inked Jim Lee's first interior work with the X-Men. Uh, during this time, Green worked on the debut of beloved characters Jubilee and Mr. Sinister. So, yeah. Right. That's where, That's where I got about. super familiar with seeing the name Dan Green. Mm-hmm. I saw Dan Green under every credits page. You know, you can see that also Green continued working with Mark Silvestri on Wolverine. And, uh, you know, he worked with Adam Kubert also on Wolverine. He worked from 1992. He was in a lot of 90s Marvel for me. And, you know, it was always incredible to see how far back he went because he went back to, you know, um, you know, the 70s and the 60s. I just didn't know that. Right. You know, and I wasn't obviously very uh, keen on looking at the credits page when I was that young, you know, like looking at comics in like uh, the, the, the 80s but more, or the 70s, even when I was like a really young kid, I could barely read. Um, <laughs> but in the 80s, it was another story. And I started to pick up on the fact that I kept seeing Dan Green as the inker on a lot of my favorite books. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it, 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 his name stuck very much with me, even though he was not the primary penciler. I knew he was inking some of my favorite Uncanny X-Men books. Yeah, apparently some of mine too. Because we got if you're watching the video version, you can see um, issue two thirty nine, which, uh, as it says here, ignites Inferno. Um, right. And of course, double side issue number twenty two hundred, which is the trial of Magneto, et cetera. So if you've read any of that, you know if you're familiar with his work. The one that strikes out to me, weirdly enough, is the Doctor Strange cover that is on uh, is Doctor Strange sixty. Um, right, the painted which, cover. Yeah, which has um, uh, Captain Marvel and uh, Scarlet Witch on the cover. Um, I feel like I remember that, and I feel like I read that somehow, some way, uh, but I don't have that, so I don't know. But, but yeah, definitely have have seen his work, and probably have some of these X-Men issues at some point, so. Uh, yeah, didn't, I don't think it says here, it didn't say here um, what he passed away from, just that he did pass away, so I, I didn't know. I think there are other, yeah, I was about to say, I think there are other, other articles that mention it, but right. it's, you know, this is it's a, still not that still not that old right still uh, next, not at all right next up i guess agent 70 is glad that i'm going to get this one because here's where to buy no, this I say technically this is mine but i'm gonna let roddy cat take this you know i'm gonna let roddy cat take this <laughs> but i want to mention right i'll let roddy cat take the bulk of the story but i wanted to talk about this one line i saw in the beginning of this article uh, okay. The highly anticipated trading card game Disney Lorcana has been met with price gouging and theft at mm-hmm. independent game stores during its exclusive release window and random early launches at Big Box. No, that sounds legit. Go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah. So if you, um, so slight backstory, and I'll make this really, really quick. So technically, Disney Lorcana has been out for the past like couple of weeks. Uh, I believe it uh, officially came out for local game shops uh um august 18th you can go there and depending on your shop you could probably get some or more than likely like i found out you can only get some through competitive play that they were having which means you had to go there pay x amount of dollars play a couple of games with some folks but you actually get a pack 
and maybe possibly a booster, depending on you know what they chose to do. And last I checked, that that was still that way up until recently, which I knew this was going to happen because basically they had it first before the big box stores get to it, which is only right. Uh, and if you are not someplace where you could find this stuff or not near a Disney store where you could find these, uh, you can go to now or you can start as of, um, actually, well, it has just passed, um, midnight, uh, uh, um, as of this recording, uh, and I believe September 1st, yep, uh, Certain places are going to have launch, uh, launch events, which after if you hear this after the fact, it's probably going to be too late for that. But you can go into your Best Buy, uh, Target, GameSpot, Stop, Walmart, Amazon, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, and now should be able to find uh, Disney Little Canner cards. Uh, I'm pulling up the um, the uh, link that they have for to Amazon, which I don't see anything on here, but hey, nevertheless, and it, and it's also just midnight, so you know there's the, they're probably not going to put that until the next day. I mean, until the day morning break. So yeah, as of midnight, as of right now, they are officially out or will be out in big box stores um, for your perusal. But yeah, price gouging and theft, not surprised. It's, it's kind of sad, actually, because I don't know, it's, you know, it's, it's a whole thing. Cause, yeah, and yeah, we'll leave it at that. If I can get my hands on, on some, I will let y'all know. Y'all know I will. Next up, though. That's crazy, son. Yeah, it's, 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 it's a thing. All right, so Hasbro announces a brand new G.I. Joe video game titled Wrath of Cobra. Um, it is a beat-em-up game coming to the Nintendo Switch and PC with full couch co-op functionality. So, all right, so it's a retro-style arcade uh, beat-em-up. Uh, let's yeah. see. Think Streets of Rage, think Final Fight, think, um, the, the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and, and that, um, Shredder's Revenge one. That's not, that's actually pretty good. Oh, that looks fun. Look at that. So mm-hmm. it puts players in the shoes of Duke, Scarlet, Snake Eyes, Roadblock, and various other G.I. Joe characters as they fight across against the forces of Cobra in all-terrain missions. Oh my God. Look at this. This is crazy. Look at yeah. It. Now the question is, it does look very retro. Yeah, the question is who is doing this? Because if it's .emu, that's going to be great. Uh, it says here Maple Powered Games. I don't. I am not a f- familiar with them. Uh, so. That is funny. So, that uh, is funny. Look at that. That uh, is wild. It's very retro because they are not wielding proper looking guns, folks. It looks like they are wielding the blasters from the eighties cartoon. Mm-hmm. Uh um uh Roadblock's got his chain gun or your version of his chain gun. So yeah, you know. Right. But yeah, so it, it, it definitely looks good. Uh there's a his tank right there that oh this looks I, I, I will definitely be looking into this and, and probably checking it out for absolute certain. Uh it is uh it's going to be for Switch and PC according to this article. Should I get a Nintendo Switch? That's a that's a judgment call, and uh, we'll have to talk about that after the show because we're in, kind of in a, a a point at this point. How do you feel a about lot? Mario games? Yeah, because it's been. Out I'm not long. a big Mario person. That's why I've never bought it. I'm not a Zelda person, so that's why I've never bought it. 
you know? Then I would say, personally, no. Gotcha. But there are other things. However, the, the Switch is a good system, but I feel like this is my personal thing. I know somebody come at me. I don't care. It's a Mario box. First and foremost, some of the other third-party stuff they got on there, some of it runs good. Some of it runs all right. Some of it doesn't run well at all because it's, gotcha. it's a not greatly powered system. That being said, there's supposed to be a new version rumored to be coming out at some point soon-ish. Not soon-ish, but at some point. Right. And I just know that refreshed. people who are Zelda people, you know, that's their that's their joint. Right. So. Like, if, yeah, if you like Mario, any Nintendo property, I would say absolutely positively yes. If if not, there are other avenues you can probably look into for portable gaming. Right. Just curious. Just curious. Alright, next up. Um. Yeah, we talked about that, but like I said, um, oh, first quarter of 2024, by the way. Um, oh, sorry. Yeah, yeah, I forgot about that. Steam, Epic Store, and GOG uh, is where that's going to come out, so stay tuned for me talking about that. Uh, I'm going to actually take these next three. Cause All right, really. it's nap time! <laughs> not really, because you may, may or may not be interested in this, I don't know. So, um, first two spoilers, well, first two are spoilers for Void Rivals number three. And uh, also kind of a first look um, tease into Transformers number one that comes out uh, actually next month. Because <laughs> I can say that because it's September now. So first off, uh, I didn't get a chance to talk about Void Rivals number three because we didn't get a uh, copy of it. But I in- did end up reading it um, after the fact. And in fact, on CB Caps, there is actually... I was about to say, I put this exact image on CPCast, but I did not. I put a different one, but I was going to put that one. Regardless, there's a couple of characters that show up from the Transformers universe that show up there. But um, after the main story happens there um, and the letters page, there is a tease for Transformers number one, which, again, uh, Philip Kennedy Johnson is going to be writing. And, um, uh, and, um, uh, I don't know who's doing the art, but regardless, in that tease, which goes to the next uh, next uh, story, one Spike Witwicky uh, is seen. In fact, I as I say in my notes uh, or in my notes um, in that teaser page, there might be a slight quote unquote MCU vacation of um, the events uh, uh, of the Transformers. I don't. Remember how the Transformers movies kind of handled things? Because uh, I vaguely remember watching one. But in this particular case, we do see um, Spike show up, and we may or may not see, uh, let's just say, some homage to the 1984 cartoon uh, um, beginnings of the Transformers. In fact, uh, I should probably scroll away from that image that I just um, scrolled to just now, if you're watching the video version. And last, of course, is another first look from uh, Daniel Warren Johnson's Transformer number one, that's also from Skybound. Um, is another set of... Uh, uh, another set of pages, which actually looks like it's going to the pages that I just shown, that also show one Spike uh, Wiki and someone else who, which is why I mentioned it in slight MCU vacation, because I don't know this person who is with them, but I feel like they are going the ways of what they did with the Transformers movie with this, um, with this retelling. Don't know, but we'll find out next month, because we'll definitely be talking about it. Next up. So, 
Kevin Smith, the Kevin Smith of Fat Man Beyond, is auctioning off his entire comic book art collection, which includes pieces by Frank Miller and Matt Wagner. Kevin Smith is downsizing, and part of the process involves selling off his original art collection to benefit the Kubert School. So that's pretty cool. So basically, if you are a fan of uh, the Fat Man Beyond and been keeping up with Kevin Smith and Mark Bernardin, you know that Kevin has um, sold his house in California and is splitting time between a smaller place in California and uh, New Jersey where he owns a movie theater, uh, as well as a comic book store, obviously. So um, he's been downsizing, and now he's uh, he has less wall space, so he is selling off some of this original interior art or killer covers from his Daredevil and Green Arrow runs. So you can pick through some of these things, and the proceeds go to a scholarship fund at the Joe Kubert School. Cool. Yeah, pre-bidding has already begun, and all lots will start at $10 and will be offered with no reserve at www.bodnarsauction.com. I was I was going to risk seeing if we could end the show in the next three minutes and next four minutes, but I was like, no, let's not tempt fate. Last but not least, um, apparently there is some leaked image comics documents that gives a surprising look at what drives indie comic sales. Now, this article has come from comicbook.com, who is citing Bleeding Cool and Mark Millar. I keep wanting to say Millar, but Mark Miller, which I still can't believe that's how you pronounce his name for some reason after all this time. Um, who somehow, some way, got into a conversation about uh, indie comics, and um, I am assuming was this on Twitter or something? I don't know. But regardless, um, Bleeding Cool's got some chart that, um, uh, and this also talks about Image and the last big hit that Image has, which, uh, according to what this quote is says here, could be Saga. Um, but you would have to read the article for yourself to, for this, and, but you can also see a list, um, that is provided by image and apparently vetted by bleeding cool, which I don't know how to take that these days. Cause I don't know. Bleeding cool can be kind of iffy sometimes personally. It's just personally. So, but yeah, you, if you're watching the video version, you can see the list, um, of image books. Of the the twenty five best selling image uh, launch twi- titles, uh, let me rephrase that: the twenty five best selling number ones from Image, not necessarily launch because that that evokes something turnovers and sources different times. Um, yeah, it's it says something. Um, but yeah, you can check that out for yourself. And with that, folks, this is the end of the show. And can we get one last ad read? We just have one thing for Toy Corner very quickly. Oh, that's Wanted right. to let everyone know. No, it's okay. At the end of the day, I just wanted to let everyone know that Walmart exclusive Bucky Cap is back in stock at Walmart. So jump over to Walmart.com. You know how I know? Because I just got mine. I ordered mine, and they it just came in, so they have it back in stock, folks. So uh, that's it for Toy Corner. Our last ad read of the night is for Amazon. Keep our podcast free by shopping at Amazon. Visit cspn.us, then click the Keep Our Podcast Free link at the top of the page. From there, scroll down and click on the Amazon link to shop. 
Purchase items from Amazon as you normally would, whether it's books, music, electronics, jewelry apparel, or Marvel Legends, just not Bucky Cap. That's a Walmart exclusive. For every purchase made on Amazon through our link, make sure to use our link. Amazon sends the CSPN a payment that helps us keep the Comic Book Chronicles podcast free for our listeners at no extra cost to you. If you shop at Amazon often, bookmark the link or add it as your homepage so that you can help the CSPN each time you order. Amazon.com through CSPN.us. We thank you for your support. Do it today! Look at this. I guess we could have possibly made it. All right, folks, this is... The, oh, by the way, if you wanted to see that Bucky Cap I just said I was talking about, you should check out the, the, the video version of the show notes. I mean, you should, excuse me, check out the video version of the show um, for that because we don't have those kind of pictures in the show notes. And with that, I have been Rydicat. You can find me at Rydicat on Twitter. You can find me at News Nurse Need on Twitter. You can find me at CB Caps on Instagram. Agent underscore 70 on Twitter and Instagram and threads. Excuse me. Threads! <laughs> PC and underscore dirt on Twitter. Pop Culture Net on Twitter. Uh, yes, I know it's X. I don't care. Uh, Pop Culture Net and Pop Culture Network.com and all the umbrella sites they're in. To which I have no idea actually whether he's doing anything over there, but I hadn't checked. Anyway, Tim, D-O-G-G-9-8 on Twitter. Uh, CB Cron on Twitter, which is the CB, uh, which is the Cumber Chronicles Twitter account. Uh, the Click Nation on Twitter. That's T-H-E-K-L-I-Q-N-A-T-I-O-N. Uh, TheClickNation.com. And, of course, Tim is over there, or at least not at the moment, because he's on a break. But he's over at ComicBook.com where he's writing his face off. Uh, check under Timothy Adams, because that is his name. Uh, you can find this here podcast on the Coastal Podcast Network. That's ESPN.us. Do it today! You can also find us on your podcast personal place of choice, whether it be Google Play, Apple iTunes, aka Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or the Coastal Podcast Network SoundCloud page. Make sure to hit like, subscribe, and leave us all the positive five-star reviews on Apple Podcasts. Uh, yeah. You could also find us uh, recording every Thursday night, 9.30-ish uh, Eastern Standard Time on the YouTube channel of The Click Nation. That's youtube.com slash The Click Nation and twitch.tv slash Cumber Chronicles like some of those lovely people that have, uh, or that may or may not have come across this video and or watched live. Yes, make sure to hit like, subscribe, and hit the notification button so you know when we are on live. Yeah, because I know some people hit the video after the fact, which is why I at least go and get the timestamps in for the YouTube <laughs> before I do anything else. Um, but uh, with that, folks, we're going to get out of here. Um, happy September. Again, happy um, Dragon Con for those that are attending. Yes, have a happy Labor Day weekend, even if you are not at Dragon Con, like at Boss Jones, living that best con life. Indeed. Living vicariously through his Instagram stories. Right. And if you don't, uh, I guess, celebrate Labor Day, but actually have the day off, hey, have a good day off. (laughs) There it is. And with that, folks, this has been the Comic Book Chronicles. Peace. Peace. One. I love it when a plan comes together.